The book Help, I've Been Blessed, written by Julian Archer, is a powerfully challenging expose of the spiritual challenges faced by affluent Christians. If you live in a wealthy, materialistic society and you're struggling to truly keep God at the centre of your life, you will be challenged and inspired by this book. Sometimes when He has blessed us so much, it becomes easy to take those blessings for granted and feel like we don't need to rely on God. So listen now as Julian Archer reads his book, Help, I've Been Blessed. You're listening to Help, I've Been Blessed, written and read by Julian Archer. Is it possible to be financially secure without becoming spiritually bankrupt? Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But what if I can't fully open the door of my heart because of the great mountain of blessings that I've piled up inside my heart, the very blessings that God gave me? What if I love the gifts more than the giver? Today, it's faith versus finance. The gloves are off. And nowhere is the battle more intense than deep, secretly deep, inside our hearts. I learned the hard way that when a person prospers, either God gains a partner or the person loses their soul. I know all too well that when we feel abundantly blessed, we are often in the most spiritually dangerous stage of our lives. Come with me on a frighteningly honest, soul-bearing journey into the world of a successful Christian businessman. He's an outwardly blessed man with a sinister and secret struggle, an eternal life and death battle to try and keep God's blessings from becoming curses. This isn't fiction. The Backstory Why This Book Commences with a quote by Mahatma Gandhi. The fact is, the moment financial stability is assured, spiritual bankruptcy is also assured. The preacher launched forth in his persuasive but compassionate tone. We all face daily struggles with broken relationships, lack of money, insecurities or poor health. Today I want to share seven simple steps to help you through the coming week. Turn with me to Psalms chapter... His voice faded as I reached for my Bible, hoping to find something more relevant. In my twenties and thirties, I sat through hours of sermons and discussions about how God can help us deal with life's struggles, how we can stay on top when circumstances are dragging us down. Christian bookstores were, and still are, overflowing with books for struggling people. They're excellent, much-needed books that often carry the label bestseller, and so they should, because it's in the seasons of sadness that we most often search for guidance and hope. But, to be perfectly honest, I rarely needed that sort of encouragement. My challenges at the time were not physical or financial or relational. They were spiritual. And the source of my struggles came from the most unexpected of places, my blessings. You see, God had blessed me abundantly. I was living in one of the safest, most peaceful countries on earth, I had a great job, healthy bank accounts, a beautiful marriage, a wonderful family, easy-going colleagues, a healthy self-esteem and a fit body. I was in my indestructible years. In my mind's eye, my future was so bright it made me squint. I looked at life through rose-coloured glasses and it smiled back. I certainly didn't need to be encouraged. If anything, a bit of discouragement might have helped. I needed to be put back in touch with reality. Or did I? 
Wasn't my reality, albeit a very blessed one, just as valid as anyone else's? Looking back, what I was really crying out for was an education of sorts. I needed to learn how to manage God's gifts of excessive blessings, especially the material ones, without becoming self-centered, proud, and self-righteous. And I needed to learn how to avoid loving the gifts more than the giver. So I searched. Over the years, I searched high and low, on my knees, on the streets, and in libraries. I googled for keywords and read blogs until my eyes burned, and spent hours reading every book spine in Christian bookstores, looking for anything that might help me. There must be something, I thought. There were plenty of great arguments written by passionate, countercultural young people. They vociferously advocated a more even distribution of global wealth, rallying against the corporate sins of capitalism and the hypocrisy of rich Christians. I heard them loud and clear. Indeed, I used to preach those messages too, when I was 23. But then God flooded me with blessings, and I became one of those rich Christians. I quickly learned that it's very easy to say, Christians shouldn't own a Ferrari when you're struggling to afford the latest jump in prices down at the car wash. But it's a completely different story when investing just a few months of income can put you in the driver's seat. These zealous young believers had a point, but I was too far gone to hear it objectively. I kept searching. Next, I came across books by financial planning companies, written primarily to attract wealthy Christian customers by pandering to them with messages like, We know it can be tough being so financially blessed, but it really is enough to just give your offerings and support a few charities, then do whatever you want with the rest. Now, let us help build your barns a little bigger and more secure. Not my style, even though bigger barn building was exactly what I was doing. I also found very well-researched books and commentaries on stewardship and tithing, and even a couple on radical, Christ-centred generosity. But... And for me, it was a big but. They were written by theologians. Don't get me wrong. Some of my closest friends are full-time pastors and theologians. I have nothing at all against the wonderful people in these essential God-endorsed professions. And they've written some excellent books about the biblical teachings on wealth. But when I want travel tips for London, I want them from someone who has actually been there. And when I want advice on how to handle excess wealth in a Christian manner, I want it from wealthy Christians, from people who have been tempted and struggled in the same way that I have. I understand this is probably a very controversial point of view when we live in a day where some pastors may also struggle with the wealth they've generated, often unexpectedly, through media, seminars, large congregations and best-selling books. Not to mention that the best advice ever on Christian wealth management came from the poverty end of the spectrum. A poor Jewish carpenter who had nowhere to lay his head, and yet was tempted in all the ways that I have been. But I was still searching for a contemporary, someone who could sit beside me and speak to my heart because their heart had been similarly confronted. My quest continued. Surely in this day and age, when many Christians live in luxury, or at least relative luxury, some well-heeled follower must have put their first-hand experiences down on paper, Not just an autobiography about how God gave them success in business, but a practical guide on how to handle affluence without becoming spiritually bankrupt. I was pretty sure that I wasn't the only one fighting the battle, so there must be something out there. 
There was a truckload of self-help guidance for Christians who wanted to free themselves from financial stress, a very worthy aspiration, and plenty written on how to attract God's blessings and how to get rich God's way, but very little by affluent Christians to specifically guide the blessed after they had been blessed, the most spiritually dangerous stage of their life. Even though I never found the specific advice I yearned for, God didn't allow me to search in vain. Along the way, I rekindled my friendship with the author of Ecclesiastes. Nicodemus became my mentor, and the rich young ruler became, well, a pretty clean mirror. These three companions are still walking with me, though the rich young guy and I no longer see eye to eye. God also compelled me to write down my private thoughts over the years, almost as a type of journal, to try to sort out the real causes of my struggles. The process worked surprisingly well, so in early 2012, I took the time to collate my notes so that my sons could read them when they got older, as a way to better understand their father and life. But as I came to what I thought was the end of the reflecting, writing and collating, another conviction came over me, and this one was frightening. God made it clear to me that I was to let other people read my personal notes, total strangers, and maybe even my friends. No way. I'm not a specialist or an authority figure like a scientist, theologian or professor. I'm just a normal guy who helped to run some businesses that the public really liked. That doesn't make me special, and it certainly doesn't make me an author. But the conviction remained. So I printed off a few copies of selected chapters of my journey and cautiously gave them to people for their comments. I was always careful to explain, oh, it's just some personal notes about my journey, and it's really only relevant to other people who have been materially blessed well beyond their needs, uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I waited. Then it started. Emails, phone calls, and hand-edited scripts began to flow in. Some were kind, others were honest, <laughs> but a single theme ran through nearly every response. The readers wanted me to know that I was not alone. That the battle against self-centred living is not just fought by well-off Christians. It's everyone's war. Unless we're living a hand-to-mouth existence, we each struggle to find a balance between the resources we spend on ourselves and those we give to others, to community projects, to charities, or to church. So here it is. My attempt, through God's leading, to provide empathy and inspiration for people who are struggling with their blessings. I'm surprised and honoured that you have chosen to listen to my book. It's neither infallible nor inspired. Actually, due to the fact that it is a compilation of my thoughts and experiences over more than a decade, it may even have some statements that contradict one another. I've grown in the way that I relate to both God and money, and I'm still learning. If any part of this book sounds like I'm preaching at you, please forgive me. Be assured that I am speaking as much to myself as to anyone else. It's been well said that we preach best what we need most. When writing a book on blessings, there's always a real danger of bragging, or at least giving the appearance of it, and thereby becoming a social outcast. Maybe that's why no one has risked writing this type of book before. But I want to be very clear up front that I truly have nothing to brag about. Wealth is always relative. What might appear to be bragging in one person's eyes can appear like a claim to humility in another's. For example, 
to hear a person say that they have $100,000 in the bank and they only ever fly business class might sound boastful to most people. But to someone accustomed to having $100 million in the bank and flying in their own jet, it would sound like a humbling admission. Regardless of how you might interpret some of my experiences, I'm neither trying to boast nor be overly humble. I'm simply sharing my journey in the hope that it will minister to the hearts of those who are seeking God's will for the blessings he has entrusted to them. Your journey is different to mine, and your beliefs may be different to mine too, but I pray that you will be blessed as we walk these few miles together. One more important thing before we hit the road. If you're struggling to keep your blessings in perspective, battling to stay reliant on God because he's blessed you so much that sometimes you almost feel you don't need him, read on. If you don't necessarily think of yourself as wealthy or abundantly blessed in some other way, but you're comfortable, financially stable and somewhat satisfied, then I invite you to come on the journey too. But if you're not in either of these places at the moment because you're struggling with relationships, health, finances, depression or some great loss, then please just put the book aside for a brighter day. Parts of it could make you want to vomit. <laughs>